Good morning. It is Friday, Tech Talk Friday. Woo, it feels good for October 16th, 2015. Me, my name's Chris, and I'm pretty excited because we got some good stories to get into today, and that always feels nice. So let's bring our team of new snipers in. Time appropriate greetings, Mumble Room. Hey. Hello. Hey. Hi. Hey, hi. Hello. Happy Hello. Friday. Hello. It's good to have you here. It's real nice to have you here. And I'm so glad so many of you didn't get knocked offline by our first story because this is a head slapper. Windows 10 upgrade is installing automatically on some Windows 7 and 8 systems. Microsoft says this is a mistake, guys. We're so sorry. But you see, there's this optional Windows update category. And uh, somehow... You know, to make things easier, of course, I mean, that part makes sense because because according to Microsoft, Windows Update is an extremely well-trusted source of software. And so they wanted to go ahead and stick Windows 10 just in that uh, software update. Real nice of them. And then somehow that darn checkbox got checked automatically in the optional section and it started automatically downloading Windows 10. Now, there is some good news. It wouldn't go all the way before it uh, required some human intervention. It did, though, manage to take up a nice chunk on your SSD, which everybody always appreciates. And it's funny how they keep doing this. This isn't the first mistake they've made with the Windows 10 update system. An optional update that's not so optional. Uh, Innocent mistake, Mumble Room? Probably was an innocent mistake, but I'm sure that they were going and saying that, hmm, this might actually work out pretty well for us. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those innocent mistakes that's not so bad. Although it probably cost them some money on, on the CDN. <laughs> There's probably. that end of it. Uh, they say, as part of our effort to bring Windows 10 to existing genuine Windows 7 and Windows 8.1 customers, the Windows 10 upgrade may appear as an optional update in Windows Update Control Panel. This is an intuitive and trusted place for people to go and find recommended and optional updates to Windows. In a recent Windows update, this option was checked as default. This is a mistake, and we are removing the check. It's so weird how they can remotely check and uncheck things on my computer. Not not my computer, but proverbably my computer. You know, like, that's just uh, that's just kind of weird. Now, I'm sure Windows Update is more of an exception than anything else. But this next story kind of uh, goes along right in with Windows 10. And you may have heard about it yesterday. It came, became news. Microsoft is now suggesting apps in the Start menu. Oh, how annoying. Yeah, it's kind of like a little ad. It's kind of basically, but it's not It's not super overt in your face, but it's basically a little ad in the start menu that says, hey, you like really crappy apps in our really crappy app store? You might also like this extremely crappy app. Click here. And then it launches Microsoft's extremely poor store where you go through their complicated process to buy an application if you haven't done one so far. And uh, it is it is, it is very easy to go in and turn it off. There's a couple of different ways you can do it. I believe you can right-click. And you can say don't – you can say uh, turn off suggestions. And you can also go into the window start menu settings in the personalized area and uncheck uh, from time to time show suggestions or something like that. That's how it's uh, labeled. Interestingly enough, um, <clears throat> I don't know if I have a shot of this, but I'm actually retesting out Windows 10 in the studio uh, for the last like three days, when, two days, um, since Tuesday. And uh, I uh, – I, I just – I do not find it that compelling of an operating system. It is – it does a couple of things nice. Uh, I'll tell you what I – I'll tell you what I really respect in Windows 10 is how freaking fast the app launcher is. When you just like hit start and type and hit enter and boom, it just happens. And what it can search across and what it presents at unbelievable speeds is really nice. 
Um, I, 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 I think if Canonical had continued to really focus on the Ubuntu desktop, maybe their Dash would be somewhere in this range right now. But as it is right now, I think the Start menu is far and above any other launcher out there. I'm not a big fan of the tiles in the Start menu on the, on the right-hand column. Um, it's too much noise for me. I find it very distracting. And so what I actually do is I just tune the whole area out, kind of like how my brain automatically tunes out like big sidebar ads on web pages. Like one of the reasons for a long time I didn't have an ad blocker was because my brain just blocks the ads. And then when they started going full screen and all popping up in my face, that's when I started to need an ad blocker. And see, I do the same thing now with the Windows 10 start menu. This side area where they have all the tiles that are moving, they actually are changing the way they look and moving, trying to grab my attention. That one is the store that's moving right now. And then one above that is some, some Twitter one, but it's got some sports guy on it. I don't follow any sports people on Twitter. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just yeah. got, and then there's one that's got jelly beans. I, what, what the hell is Yeah. What is this? I turn all the animation stuff yeah, off. Why on is that. why I is find it absolutely annoying? Why is Candy Crush Saga? Why is that on my start menu? I don't know. I, they, they've inst- and I don't know if it's Windows 10 itself, but I'm pretty sure it is. They're including a whole bunch of just games yeah, like, that are hard to find to go into remove. Like they're on there, but yet somehow they're hard to find in your start menu if you go try and look for them. I don't know. Here's my point, though. See, when they start sticking ads in that left-hand column where, like, my my uh, most used apps are and my recently added, my file explorer and my settings, I actually that's the actual column I look at. Mm-hmm. And so now they're actually sticking crap in the column that my brain tunes into. And that that's why that rather, rather simple suggestion bothers me is because it's actually going right into this is my work area. Like, the one thing I want to do when I sit down and use Windows is I have a Windows work task I want to do, or I want to test Skype under Windows, or something very specific, and I'm in work mode. And I would imagine that's a large portion of the Windows user base, and that column right there is my work mode column. And when you start sticking ads in there, it doesn't feel like my operating system anymore. It feels like, it, it feels yeah. like I'm borrowing Microsoft's operating system, which is really the reality of it. But it's a nice way for them to drive it home. And I think it's, at the end of the day, I think it's just really low class. I think this yeah. whole start menu is actually low class. I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't know how else to describe it, but it seems to me like they've uh, they've made something riddled with animations and ads, and it's frustrating so, because it's it's fast. Yeah, go ahead. So I, I just had a quick question. Like I've noticed, I, I really kind of like, I have to use it on occasion for Windows on occasion for different things, but I, I found it so chunky in the actual start menu to go and to use it. Like if you go to all applications and that, try and scroll down. Like the one thing you yeah. could say about the old one was it was quick to scroll down to what you yeah exactly that is a needed. little yeah that is a little slow yeah I, I honestly don't do that very much I type uh, you know yeah I know can you turn off uh, this whole side start menu can you just turn it off that's a good question um, I find it like so Candy Crush on here all of this is just it's really excessive and this what are these refugees are those people suffering right there in my start menu? Do you see that? A picture, a, a picture of people suffering. Over here is a sports guy. Over here is a game I've never played in my life. Up here is people suffering. And over here is, I don't know, like, I don't know which version of Minecraft that even is. That's Windows 10 beta of Minecraft. Okay. 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 I don't, I mean, I just, I don't even know why that's on my screen, though. So this right click on it and get rid of it? Yeah, yeah, of course you can. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but that's Does not. Does it come back, though? I don't know. I don't know. I, don't, I haven't used it long enough. But that's not the point. That is absolutely... I'm telling you, it just feels extremely... Look at this. Okay, let me go through here and unpin all this crap. All this crap I'm going to unpin here. But it doesn't feel like I should have to do this. It feels like this is kind of like 
we gave Canonical a really hard time for having, and look at now there's weird gaps in here. Like, why isn't it resizing? To I mean, I realize I can resize it, but anyways, we gave Canonical a hard time for having Amazon ads in there. Well, look at this. Yeah. This is a brilliant front in your face ad delivery platform. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm, I maybe I, I'm uh, maybe I'm overreacting, but my you know my initial experience is because we installed this uh, after Netrunner for a couple of days to do an A and B comparison of Skype under Windows versus Skype under Linux, and just to get some you know actual data on it. And uh, it's not even an activated version of Windows because I'm just testing Skype, right? But I'll tell yeah. you what stands out at me here is this is this is really disrespectful to the end user in a lot of ways. And I wish, I mean, I know there's other all third parties. I'll get off of this now, but I just, it really struck me. And then to have this automatic update thing, which sounds like a mistake, plus the ads in the start menu. When does the bubble pop for the hype around Windows 10? Is it starting to pop? I don't know. Yeah. I, I, think, I think a lot of the real hype is coming from the people that are really enthused with Windows to begin with and are have no problem in going and doing that. But yeah. I think that a lot of the people that just use Windows and really could care less about the operating system, I, I think there you're going to start to hear about them, the, just the normal people, just going and saying, "Why? Why is this in? Why is this in here?" You know. Yeah, I agree with uh, Colonel Panic too. He says it's designed to look good on display, but not good for use. It is one of those. It is when you see it up on the stage, or when you see it on the screen, and, and it, when you go into Costco or Best Buy or whatever your you know whatever store you have in your area that has displays. Of computers, you go in there and there's a touch screen, all-in-one computer, and you touch this button and this big start menu comes up with these big tiles. You kind of go, "Oh, I get it." And then in practice, when you start to use it, you go, "Oh, geez, this is really distracting and kind of low-class looking, and you know, blah blah blah." So, we'll see. Maybe I'm just an old man. Uh, okay, speaking of things that are old, curious what the mumble room thinks. The and chat room, everybody chime in. We'll, we'll do a little game. Okay, what do you think the most disruptive technology was? Yes, the the word is being the word being used is disruptive. What is the most disruptive technology of the last 100 years? And I'll give you a hint. It's probably not what you're thinking. So go outside the box. The most disruptive technology in the last 100 years. This is coming Radio. from... Radio. All right. It's a good... All right. I'm going to... Hold on. Write these down. All right. <clears throat> write it down. Oh, I'm going to write down radio. That's a good one. That's a really good one. Okay. Radio. All right. The Washington the Post first. is reporting internet. Okay. That's another good one. I like that. Okay, I'll go would like, would like mass. say iPods. iPods are coming in. Drones are coming in. Nest? Would electricity, like wide-scale distribution of electricity? Be yes, I would think that would be my vote, but this is a particular gadget they're going for, like a device or okay. a piece of machinery, not uh, not like a infrastructure. Not like thing. a service like that, yeah. yeah. Trains, oh man. Although I think trains are older than 100 years, so I don't think that one counts. Automobiles yeah. is good. All right, and uh, Colonel Panic says refrigeration. Ooh, that's a good one. Big media. I don't know if I agree with that one. <laughs> uh, all right, are you guys ready? Are you ready for the uh, reveal? All right, I'm going to pull the crank. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here we have it. According to the Washington Post, when people talk about disruptive technology, they're usually thinking about the big Silicon Valley stuff. Uh, but historically, disruptive technologies aren't exactly what you'd expect. The most disruptive technology of the last century is the refrigerator. You got it right, Colonel Panic. In the 1920s, only about a third of households reported having a washer or a vacuum, but uh, refrigerators were even rare. Uh, it says that uh, 
two, wait, hold on, let me find, why did I lose my place on this? But in 20 years, but 20 years later, refrigerator ownership was common. Oh, okay, yeah, there it is. With more than two-thirds of Americans owning an icebox. According to the study, the surge in the refrigerator ownership totally changed the way Americans cooked. Before reliable refrigeration, cooking and food preservation were barely distinguishable tasks. And techniques like pickling, smoking, and canning were common in nearly every American kitchen. With the arrival of the icebox and then the electric refrigerator, foods could now be kept and consumed in the same form for days. Americans no longer had to make and consume great quantities of cheese, whiskey, and hard cider. And some of the only ways to keep foods edible, through, which was some of the only ways to keep foods edible through the winter. Now, this is, of course, applying to uh, the U.S., but uh, I would imagine it's, there's other similar things like that throughout the world. And I'm not so sure I agree with refrigeration, but that seems like a damn good one. Uh, yeah. Now, I'm just glad it wasn't the iPhone. I don't, I mean, the iPhones, you know, touch phones, smartphones, that's good. That's good. But I don't think it's refrigeration good. I think I agree. Refrigeration beats out smartphones. Now, uh, we were talking about Microsoft, and they are really, really realizing that there is a massive effort that needs to get underway to get consumers excited about PCs. And their friends at HP, Dell, Lenovo, Intel have gotten together to make the PC supergroup to save the PC. How about that? They're all united like superheroes in an advertising campaign designed to remind people that there is more to life than tablets, smartphones, and game consoles. Here is the really sad part, and it is awful, you guys. I don't know if you've seen the imagery yet, but they're calling it PC Does What? That's it right there. PC Does What? See what the next generation next generation of PCs can do. And it's W-H-A-A-A-T question mark exclamation mark. It's so off tone, it's embarrassing. It's This is their one of their first PC ads. PC does what? What? PC does infinity edge display. PC does what no PC has done before. Does yours? Here's one more. PC does what? PC does 360 degree rotations. PC does what no PC has done before. Does yours? So, uh, yeah, it is really bad. That is really terrible, and I can't believe all of these companies, with all of their people and all of their money, this, to me, feels like a really cheap, cheap, cheap knockoff of the what's up campaign that Budweiser did. It's like a, it's in that vein, only it's it's like it's worse than the Seinfeld ads. It's just so it's so out of touch. Yeah. Let, I, I just, let's, let's watch one more. Let's watch one more. OK, go. And he slides a PC under the door. PC does what? PC does amazingly thin designs. PC does what no PC has done before. See, these have been uh, these ads have been one from each manufacturer. We started with Dell, we went HP, and then we went Lenovo. I guess we'll does do one more. Was. Let's do one more. He's playing a make-believe World of Warcraft PC game. PC does what? PC does up to 30 times better 3D graphics. PC does what no PC has done before. So PC does up to 30 times better graphics. And then the little, uh, ex- little you know, uh, caveat, little uh, asterisk at the bottom of the screen is versus a five-year-old PC. Yeah. So okay. Yeah. 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 Versus a five-year-old PC. Like, congratulations. <laughs> and you see there they end the ad with Intel 
Dell, HP, and Lenovo. So why do they do these ads anyway? I mean, is, is our sales that much through the crowd? Well, I mean, the, the real answer is because these companies are full, filled full of bureaucracies that have to justify their time and existence, and they come up with absolute problems and reasons that don't actually exist, and then they all work together to self-justify their existence. But I think what the outside goal is is to say, well, let's get people to stop buying those damn tablets and Macs and let's have them start buying PCs again. Because you see what they're – what are they emphasizing? They're emphasizing really, really thin design. They're emphasizing the fact that it can convert something that maybe a MacBook can't do. They're trying to emphasize very broadly the points that the MacBook touches on when people are trying to buy a nice high-end desktop or laptop. Um, I think the I'm a PC campaign went a lot better than this. I don't know if you guys remember the I'm a PC campaign, but that was not as bad, at least. Hello, I'm a PC, and I've been made into a stereotype. I'm a PC, and I'm not what you call hip. I'm a PC, and I wear glasses. I wear glasses. Hey, I wear glasses. I wear jeans. And I study jeans. And I design jeans. And I design green buildings. I'm a PC, and I study the law. And I practice the law. And I challenge the law. I'm a PC, and I blog for Obama. And I broadcast for McCain. And I have a beard. So that was a much better campaign. That's the guy in the Shark Tank. I mean, the I'm a PC campaign, least... Uh, it, it sort of communicated what an end user was like. You know, it was like, hey, these are computers for everybody, right? It makes a lot more sense. I just, oh, I just can't believe they're doing this. It's so bad. Anyways, PC does what? Jeez, oh, look at that. If, look at that graphic. It is so, it is so obnoxious and purple or pink or whatever, fuchsia, whatever you call that. It's just a lot of it. Uh, all right, I just wanted to cover something that is interesting. There's not a lot for us to say on these next two stories, um, so we're just going to bust through them really quick. The IAB, which is like the international advertising whatever, people on the web that are big on uh, online advertising that isn't Google, uh, and they just posted a blog post that says, starts with this, we messed up. As technologists tasked with delivering content and services to users, we lost track of the user experience. 20 years ago, we saw experience and an explosion of websites built by developers around the world. In 2000, the dark ages came from the dot bubble. We were told that our startups were gone and that divisions sustained by corporate patent companies needed to be in the black. We engineered not just technical, but also social and, ec- and economic foundations that users around the world could lean on. So they kind of go into like what they did and how they did it. But they say through our pursuit of further automation and maximization of margins during the industrial age of media technology. That's cute. We've built an advertising technology to optimize publishers' yields of marketing budgets that had eroded after the last recession. Looking back now, our scraping of dimes may have cost us dollars in consumer loyalty. The fast, scalable systems of targeting users with ever heavier advertisements, heftier advertisements, have slowed down the public internet and drained more than a few batteries. We were so clever and so good at it, we over-engineered the capabilities of the plumbing laid down by, well, ourselves. The streamlined users, uh, this steamrolled users, depleted their devices and tired their patients. So now they're uh, launching a new initiative called Lean, a Lean ad program supported by the executive committee of IAB Tech Lab Board. Lean stands for Light Encrypted Ad Choice Supported Non-Invasive Ads. So this is their new effort to try to respond to the uptick in ad blocking. So hear more about that coming soon. Last story that we're going to bust through real quick today before we get to our Kickstarter of the week. 
I just thought this is continuing to be an interesting story, and I think it's part of the reason why you still tend to see a little bit better apps on iOS than Android, which has gotten better, but not better as fast as it should. Well, here's why. iOS App Store revenue is now 80% higher than Google Play. There's a big part thanks to China, but let me break it down for you guys. Worldwide downloads were 90% higher on Google Play versus iOS. 90% more downloads on Google Play than iOS, up from 85% in the prior quarter. This this growth is being contributed to emerging markets like India, Indonesia, and Vietnam, where sub-$50 smartphones are bringing more of the population online. The iOS app store, on the other hand, may not have all the downloads, but it holds 80% of the revenue, or I'm sorry, maybe a better way to put this is its revenue is 80% higher than Google Play in Q3, up from 70 in Q2. So it's going up. Even though Google Play downloads are going way up, the Apple revenue is still going up. And we have a uh, we have a graphic on the screen if you guys are watching. You can see the gap there. Now, this is mostly thanks to China's middle class. They're buying a lot of iPhones, and they're buying some apps. The growth of iOS in China is, uh, is being driven across two fronts, social video apps and games. The former includes apps like Dub Smash and the lip-syncing app iCast Show. Hmm, how about that? Uh, I didn't even know about that. <clears throat> in addition, the popularity of apps their users create shareable content for existing social networks also indicates China's app ecosystem is maturing. Uh, beyond that, they have taxi booking apps that are pretty popular in uh, China. Um, and uh, it's battling with Uber. So anyways, uh, I think that's part of the big problem we have right now. As I am, I am using my S6 I'm back on my S6, and uh, I got to say, the, the situation's much better than it was even a year ago. Uh, anybody in the mumble room find – anybody in the mumble room have an app that they can't get for Android that they wish – maybe they've seen on the iPhone they wish they could get on Android? Is there anything really stick, standing out to you guys anymore? I have one really big one, but I think it's kind of more unique. Uh, I can't think of any. My daughter was taking piano lessons, and the piano teacher had specific um, iOS – apps that I could not get anything equivalent on Android. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I know when I was prepping for the road trip, there were a few things that were really nice to have on iOS that weren't on Android. But the really, really, really big one for me is Hyperlapse. Oh, man, I love Hyperlapse. It is, it is such a good app, and it is such, it is such amazing technology what Hyperlapse can do. So uh, to get it in Android would be really, really nice. And Hyperlapse is what I used on the road trip to capture the visuals of the road while we were driving. And it uses amazing stabilization technology. I mean, really good stabilization technology. And it, the way it, it, it just so amazingly captures video and then allows you to choose from 1x acceleration all the way up to 12x acceleration, uh, it really is a, it is a standout product that unfortunately is not available on Android. Now, historically, iOS has had better cameras but, you know, my S6 has a pretty good camera in it, so I would love to see something like Hyperlapse. That's the big one I miss on Android. Isn't it using the uh, stab- optical stabilization of the iPhone itself? No, my iPhone doesn't have optical stabilization. Only the, the, only the, plus, the, the 6 Plus and the, only the Plus models have it, I believe, and, uh, yeah, and of the 6 and 6S generation. Uh, like, it, on, honestly, I thought you had stuck your S6 out the window, and then we're doing a lot of extra... Um, in post-production on those videos. No, unfortunately, it's not really possible. I mean, not to get that effect. You can speed it up, but it looks choppy and, and glitchy. It doesn't look it doesn't look good like that. So, you know, what the S6 gets relegated to is maps and navigation and audiobook playback, and then the iPhone gets relegated to the optics. 
basically. Which, Whoa. if you think about the two platforms, that's actually a pretty good division of work. It's just the S6 has a pretty damn good camera on it. I don't know if it's as good as the iPhone 6, but it has. I mean, it seems really good to me. Um, and so I would have liked to have been able to use the S6, but the division of labor worked out pretty well for the devices. And, uh, you know, the other nice thing is it's, it's really easy to then to get the footage off of the iPhone because you just connect it to, you know, Linux and it shows up as a camera device. And it's really easy to get the footage off of, uh, off of the S6 too, but only if you're tethered to it, which is kind of a pain in the butt. Uh, all right, so I wanted to move on because uh, it's been a little while, and you know, this is a Friday edition of the Tech Talk program, Friday edition, so why don't we do our Kickstarter of the week? Kick it! And this one is really something. It's called Solo, a new breed of computing. With 282 backers, 29 days to go, they're trying to raise $227,000, and they've raised 108000 so far. I'm going to play a little bit of this for you. And uh, uh, well, maybe I will. And uh, it is a very tiny device, very small, smaller than a mouse, really. I mean, it's or it's about the size of a trackpad, you know, like a like a like the like the Magic Trackpad or like a big Logitech trackpad. It's you know a touchpad or whatever. Uh, so it's about that size, and it's got a touchscreen on the top. And I'll play a little bit of their video for you. There will be people who resist solo. There will be people who disagree with what we're doing. This is a good sign. It means that we have set our goals high enough. It's the first computer ever for human beings. Woo! So Solo is really the smallest ever general purpose computer. It's a really tiny box, partially made out of wood. It's beautiful. But it is a real pocket computer. You can use it independently. It is a mobile device with its own screen, with its own battery. But then when you bring it to the office, you can connect it up to a screen and it becomes your full-blown desktop computer. So Solo is the first real internet type of computer where if you lose your computer, it doesn't matter. Your content doesn't disappear. It's all stored in the cloud. But it still works offline you're not completely tied to that internet connection. With Solo, you don't have to install applications, you don't have to install updates for those applications. You don't have to worry about where your backups are. All of that is managed by the whole Solo ecosystem. In fact, you don't even have to worry about paying for applications. You pay a fixed fee every single month. You get as much storage as you want. You get all the applications that you can eat. So there's no in-app purchases, there's no freemium, premium, free-to-play. All of that goes away. You just use the tools that you like, and you can share them with all of your friends and your different team members. It's all one big unified experience. So that you can then work on the things that you really love and really use this ultimate canvas to do great things with your life. Let your imagination run wild collaborative photo editing, collaborative music making, collaborative anything. We designed the user interface to be really natural and organic, dividing the content into a project. That is how you organize your life. When you zoom into your work project, then you have everything you need there and you are not distracted by other things. When we have been showing this product to people, they have been amazed how much we could achieve with this small team with a short amount of time. 
We have rolled up our sleeves, put our heads down and coded an amazing operating system, designed a really high-end hardware, and we're at the point where the manufacturer line is just waiting for orders, and that's where you come in. Place your orders and start computing the way it should be. Let's make this happen together. Change can happen. There will be people who disagree with what we're doing. What really matters is that there are also those who do believe, who do want to do something special, who do want to have change in their life and make things better. Those people are the most important people for us in the world. Those are the people who are going to make Solo something really awesome, something really great for the future. Okay, Mumble Room, do you believe? Are you believers? Uh, here's uh, some pricing for you while you mull it over. Uh, the early pricing's all gone. I believe these are uh, in euros, 349, about 398 USD. Uh, for about 785 USD, you can get the double soul. You get two souls. You can share with a friend or connect one to a TV. It's, uh, it does have a touchscreen. It does have a battery in it. It is a completely portable device, or you connect it up to your monitor. They say goodbye, personal computer. It has a cell-like design for the UI. If you've seen Star Trek and the Borg, you know what, and the Borg's UI, you know exactly what it looks like. Um, and it has different cells that you can create and zoom out and zoom into. They say the software industry is broken, and they have a means to fix it. So for around, I believe it's $24, $25 a month, you get everything. And their model is a rev share with the developers, sort of like Spotify does rev share with music artists. All you can eat apps, and then when you develop, you get a rev share from that monthly membership. It's it's an interesting tactic. I haven't seen anyone else try and do it like this before, so it'll be just interesting to see if it actually works. So here is the tech specs. 1440 by 1440 touchscreen with 450 PPI. It's not bad. They say edge-to-edge touch. External display for up to 4K monitors. Processor, get ready for this because this is the revealing part, is a 2.3 gigahertz NVIDIA quad-core A15 CPU. The graphics is an NVIDIA Kepler GPU with 192 NVIDIA CUDA cores. And it has 4 gigabytes of RAM, 32 gigabyte cache capacity, not storage. Uses MiFi up to 80, uh, MiFi, uses Wi-Fi up to 802.11n. It has a 1200 milliamp battery. And uh, the operating system is, Sol, or is Solo OS, which I believe is based on Android. Hoping to ship in February. Um, here is what, uh, $25 a month does seem a bit steep. And here's my other big concern. Um, if they were making just a UI, I could see them pulling it off. Like something that ran on top of Android as a launcher or a new Linux desktop. If they were making just the hardware and it ran Android, it's traditional Android, I could see this working. If they were making just a cloud service, I could maybe see this working. You know, something, one of the, one of the main features of this, which you get for that $25 a month, is syncing all your settings, backing up all your stuff, never having to tell it to back up, and infinite storage with a local 32 gig cache. If they were creating something like that, just that, I could maybe see that working. Bringing all of those things together, I couldn't even see larger companies with infinitely more resources pulling that off. 
Now, they have the disadvantage of being large companies with all these resources, too. Sometimes restrictions and small teams actually create incredible things. I don't think we've seen anything like that work in the last five, ten years. It yeah, seems like a I massive see. undertaking. And, and not that the hardware specs that they gave are bad, but they're starting to age. A15 is almost three revs ago. Of what right. Now, the, I think their idea here is the machine is a really, really simple, it's like a Chromebook to replace, right? You, you just yeah. log into your next machine, all your settings, all your apps, everything comes right back, sinks right back down. And uh, so the idea is the upgrades are going to be really painless. And, you know, they could probably eventually get the price, to, you know, the hardware by itself to 300 bucks, 200 bucks, something like that. You know, they could probably do that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I just... Do they say anything about what this cloud storage will be? I mean, I'm having privacy concerns over here. I mean, hmm. it, it is... One thing to say, well, Google is bad because of all the reasons, uh, but then go to this platform doesn't really seem like an answer. Yeah, in fact, sometimes the smaller platforms are more susceptible to making mistakes that people could take advantage of to get the data out. Sometimes it's the larger platforms that have you know thousands of people working on securing them all the time that are actually more secure with your data. If, depending on what you're, if you're more afraid of the NSA or if you're more afraid of people that are just poking at a system and then leak data online. So far, the ones that have bitten me are all the jackasses that go get people's databases and then post a database online. And I've never once had any suspect, well, I don't know, maybe the NSA is curious about my emails, but it's, at least I'm not aware of it, but I am aware of Dix online cracking Gizmodo and Target and LastPass and Patreon and the list goes on and on. Like that has been a real present danger, and 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 just about every case, it's because a company isn't doesn't have enough resources to take care of that thing, or they don't have enough experience to shut down a thing, or they don't have enough planning ahead of time to think about this. Or this is always a massive effort when you're relying on users' data, and if everything you're doing on the computer is syncing up there, it is a massive undertaking. Just ask Jennifer Lawrence. It has to be done well. And the smaller your team is, the less time and resources and people you have to work on that. I'm just saying it is – it or will be – it would take. if they took off, it would be historical. Yeah. Or if they're, they're, they're taking advice. They, it, it'll take forever. I mean, if uh, you look look at the uh, Yola tablets, it's, it's being delayed and delayed and delayed. Yeah. Well, you know, so these guys do, you know, these guys have brought uh, reporters in to take a look at it. It's still not, you know, fully finished. It's still unstable and all that. But, you know, they have some working prototypes. And I watched a talk that the uh, the main guy that can't, I don't know if he's a CEO or what he is, but he's the he's the guy that, you know, introduces the, the, the project. I watched a talk that he gave about, you know, what the process they've gone through for building and manufacturing a really high-quality device. They've really put a lot of work into this. This isn't just, like, coming out of nowhere all of a sudden. It's just... I just thought there is another option. They could be using the Kickstarter, and a lot of, I think a lot of people are starting to do this now, using it as a proof of concept so they can approach bigger people to yeah, go maybe. and do this for them. Maybe. That, that's a possibility. Their ship they date's close have... enough, though. They, some of their early shipments are, like, January 2016. So yeah. th- that's their very early one. That's that means like, I think they're pretty close. I I wouldn't be surprised if it could, didn't get parlayed into something like that. But uh, they might also they might also be trying to go the pebble route. They could, yeah, yeah. We will see. Keep an eye on it, and I'll have a link to it if you guys want to check it out or share it with somebody or maybe even back it. Uh, and you can find out more at solu.co. 
you want to check out their website. I'll check. How about another website you could check out? Patreon.com slash today. What? Yeah. Uh, Patreon says what? Yeah, thank you to 562 of you. That's great. Who are supporting the Jupiter Broadcasting Network and helping us invest in our future and giving us a runway. One that allows us to have a little bit of predictability and budget and also leverage with our sponsors. And one that keeps our compass pointed at the audience. When the audience is a primary source of funding, that means our primary motivator is to make the audience happy. Isn't that a good arrangement when you want to consume content from us? I think so. That's why I love the Patreon model. Patreon.com slash today. Thank you for those of you supporting us. And please, we could use some more support. We have many ambitions. Patreon.com slash today. Okay. It's Friday. So there's a good chance a lot of you are watching this on the weekend. Maybe you're going to watch the video version. If you're listening to the audio version, don't worry. <laughs> you're not going to get this either. I am willing to bet, bet that most of you watching or listening are not going to be able to guess what this product is for. It is a new product, and I'll give you, I'll give you some hints. It just came out on the market. It has two hardware components and an app component. It might be iOS only, but I'm not sure. I'm going to leave it at that. That's all the hints you get. I'll just say that. See if you can figure out what this is before the video ends. And I, I think I have it linked in the show notes. So that way, if you really need to know, you can go spoil it for yourself. Uh, before we wrap up, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. My intention right now is to do a Friday edition of Tech Talk next week. Not that I'm scaling back the show permanently. Don't freak out. hey but uh, I am scaling it back for a couple of weeks probably while I catch up on things from the road trip. Like I still am catching up. Uh, and uh, part of the reason why is because I'm commuting now. And between commuting and getting here early enough to do the show and then the time between other shows, it just is not working out for me to get these things taken care of. And some of them are like really important things. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to scale back to Friday. We'll do Tech Talk Fridays for probably a few weeks. I don't know exactly. Uh, and what the, also what means I'm going to do is – I'm going to continue to follow the news all week long like I always do. But my intention is let's just really, you know, the, the best stories. And I also invite the Mumble Room to bring their stories. If there's stories throughout the week like, oh, man, I would have loved to talk about this on Tech Talk. I invite you to bring those with you. We can talk about them in the pre-show, see if we want to put any of them in the show. Same with the chat room. And, and I would love to have as many people show up on Friday as possible. Have, we'll have the Friday show maybe be a bigger, longer edition if we get more people and do like a full-on – podcast like a longer maybe we'll see i don't know but i think we could have some fun with it we could even maybe introduce a few segments if we had if we have some ideas techtalktoday.reddit.com with a segment suggestion or hit me up in the irc or on twitter chris las uh we could add some new segments we I mean we have the kickstarter segment and that's really the only segment we have other than then we just talk about the news because it's usually a quick tight show but if we were going to make it a little longer maybe we could add some other things some other things so let me know techtalktoday.reddit.com chris las on twitter or in the IRC. All right, so that'll wrap up Tech Talk today for this week. Linux Action Show coming up later on on Friday and then out on Sunday. And it is our LastPass replacement episode. Both Noah and I are making the jump from LastPass. And there's so many alternatives. But when you really narrow down the list to what you need, it is an extremely hard choice. So we'll be revealing our choices and covering a lot of the alternatives as well. Okay, now I'm going to leave you this commercial. I'm just going to say this. Good luck. Mm-hmm.